You're listening to the Psalms for Sojourners podcast, in which we look at the Psalms as prayers for God's people on every occasion. We hope it's a blessing to you. Hi, and thanks for listening to Psalms for Sojourners. I'm Cole Kirby, a pastor at Sojourn Mantras and the host of this podcast. This week, I called Dodds Pengra, who's the pastor of care and counseling at Sojourn Heights. Dodds is passionate about the Psalms, especially as they relate to mental and emotional health in the Christian life. So we talked a lot about that. Dodds is a dear brother to me, a colleague, a pastor, and a friend. And he's also my counselor. And his use of the Psalms in the counseling room have been a blessing to me over the past few years, time and time again. I hope you find his insight into the Psalms as helpful as I do. Thanks for joining us. All right, I'm here with Dodds Pengra, who is a pastor at Sojourn Heights. Dodds, it's good to have you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Cole. Really excited. Well, before we jump in, for those who are listening who might not know you, although a lot of our folks, even at Sojourn Montrose, do, uh, just want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself, let us know who you are, what you do. Absolutely. Um, well, um, so I'm, I'm one of the pastors at Sojourn Heights and have, um, have been there for uh, about 10 years now, It'll be 10 years in, in October. And um, currently I'm, uh, I'm the pastor of care and counseling. And so what that means is that I do spend uh, a majority of my time um, in the counseling room, uh, doing individual and couples counseling um, for those inside uh, the church at Sojourn Heights and those inside the church and from other churches, but as well as um, uh, a number of people who are uh, outside the church. And I also work uh, with a team of people to oversee our parishes. And so I, I do help, um, particularly in care and counseling, with uh, our parish group. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've been really enjoying that uh, thoroughly. Yeah, and how long have you been at Sojourn Heights? So, um, help. We were part of the planting team in 2010, and um, so it'll be 10, 10 years at Sojourn Heights. And I've been um, working as a as a counselor probably the last three and a half years. Yeah, but you've been on staff longer than that. Yeah, I've been on staff since uh, 2012. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have a wife and some beautiful children. <laughs> wife, my wife's name is Kimberly, and we um, this July will be uh, 15 years, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, you know, it'll, a, a COVID anniversary is uh, is still going to be a good anniversary. <laughs> and uh, we have three uh, three wonderful daughters. Um, uh, Abigail is our oldest, uh, Penelope, uh, our middle child, and Edith. And so they're they're. Now, as of this month, they're eight, six, and four. So um, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's just yeah. a, it's a great home. It's full of, it's full of hair and laughter and yeah. um, it's energy. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure this season of uh, isolation at home has been pretty wild for the Pengris. <laughs> it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It has been, I can say that we're, and I know this, I'm saying this mostly for Kimberly, but I know that um, we're, we're glad that school ha- has come to an end because that was, uh, that was very, uh, difficult at the end. So anyway, yeah. yeah, I've heard that from a lot of parents that trying to do school during 
isolation while parents are trying to work and there's oh, just goodness. nonsense assignments and it just doesn't work. Um, well, with all of that, we will let's just kind of jump into uh, the topic for today. Um, so for those of you who are listening at home, I invited Dodds to be on the podcast primarily because I have been in the counseling room with Dodds. Um, and one of the things that he has consistently done um, is offered me psalms that I might pray through, um, given whatever circumstance I'm explaining to him. And so I, I've just been kind of compelled by that. And and so I just started talking to Dodds uh, last week about how it is that he employs the psalms as a pastor and as a counselor and why he does that. And so just generally, Dodds, just uh, want to hear from you um, at what point did did that light bulb kind of go off for you that that the psalms were so pastoral pastorally pastorally applicable yeah well um i i think it was you know i've 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 always loved poetry and you know like every other i don't know good high schooler i had many times where i've written plenty of bad poetry uh, in high school as well as since high school, um, but um, have always really enjoyed poetry. Um, I, I think that in particular, while I've while I've enjoyed the Psalms in, in many different ways uh, over the years, I think it was in the in the summer of 2013. Um, it began a year, at least. I mean, really, uh, 12 months and beyond of of probably the darkest time in in pastoral ministry for me. Um, and during that year, um, uh, I, one of my very good friends who was um, uh, lead pastor of our, of our church left the church. Um, we found out that we were having our second daughter. My dad was diagnosed with end-stage pancreatic cancer. Um, uh, we had our second child. My dad passed away um, getting to hold his second granddaughter one time and um and then another really good friend who was also part of the leadership of the church left as well and i just found myself in you know as as dante wrote famously i found myself in the middle of a dark wood and had lost my way i really did not know um i i feel like i was probably just so overwhelmed um it was like my emotional budget was was being sent a ton of bills and not I didn't have enough money to cover everything so I um I found myself uh stepping away uh, and into counseling and it was really there that um I in that in that darkness that I found the the light of the psalms to be um so incredibly reviving um I I I found um gosh I found words that I that I needed. I, I realized that God had given us words in like 150 examples of how to pray to him in all different seasons of the soul and all different seasons and circumstances. And I, um, and it just awakened my ability to grieve and to repent and um, to cry out, to share, to remember his promises. Um, because it's not, you know, it's not just a book of, 
uh, of uh, this is how you express your emotions to God, but it's also a book of all of his promises, all of his covenantal promises. Um, and I just, it was because there was so much imagery, it came alive in such a way to where I wasn't just, again, theology is wonderful, but theology and image just, it all of a sudden becomes a painting or a piece of music and, and you're sort of swept up into it. And that really ended up being just a, a big part of what God used to revive me in a very dry and, um, and, and very dark season. Hmm. Yeah. That, I, that makes a ton of sense. I, I'm wondering if that experience that you had in 2013, um, of, of experiencing this dark place, this depression, I would imagine. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and finding solace in counseling and in the Psalms and in your community of faith. Was that in any way kind of a catalyst toward you pursuing counseling more seriously moving forward? Interesting. Interestingly enough, you know, when I, when I came back from sabbatical, and this is, I don't want to go too far afield in this story, but um, I probably came back wondering if I should, if I should continue to be a pastor. Um, I mean, I think that that question really came up of not necessarily, do I want to do this, but um, uh, am I able to? Yeah. And, um, and, and I think what was interesting was the year that I came back from sabbatical um, I ended up not by any effort of my own. I just ended up finding myself in a number of counseling situations where I happened to be the person who was called, or I happened to be the person who ran into this person in the middle of some kind of crisis. And it was as if the Lord just sort of put those, those particular, I guess, sort of, as it were, just situations in front of me and I had been so comforted by the Psalms that I, you know, very much as Paul wrote, like the comfort of, with which I had been comforted was then becoming a comfort to others. Sure. And yeah. so, it, yeah, it, it just, um, it's funny. I think the desire for counseling didn't come until I had already started to do it. Um, and then it was sort of something that was confirmed by other leaders who just said, have you ever considered this? Yeah. You ever considered counseling? It seems like that's what you kind of are bent towards most of the time. And that's yeah. where that started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that that's a key thing is, is that in your role specifically, you are not only freed up, but, but pushed toward spending a lot of time in the counseling room. Yeah. Whereas, any vocational pastor from time to time will be a counselor. It is absolutely it is just the yeah. job of a pastor to counsel the flock. But but for you to pursue more education in regards to mental health and counseling technique and devoting yourself to the word in regards to how to apply it to people who are struggling, it's been a huge gift. I know to me personally, but I know also to the just the Sojourn Houston family to have somebody who is not only a pastor, but a counselor by trade. And so I think that's a, a big blessing. 
yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. And it's a, a real honor. Um, so just wondering when I know there have been a few times that we've been talking and you have encouraged me to, to pray through X Psalm or maybe a few different Psalms based on the things I've been sharing. And, and I'm wanting to know how is it that in a counseling session or maybe a series of sessions, you can arrive to a place where it's just like, I think this Psalm or these few Psalms will be particularly beneficial to this person. Yeah. Um, I, I can tell you this. I think, um, you know, it's, um, while I know that there are so many Psalms that um, I think even um, that, that probably that we're really familiar with because maybe, you know, Psalm 23 or even Psalm one, you know, we, they're kind of hallmark Psalms that we really know. And, and I do think that there are definitely Psalms where um, when, when someone describes a, a particular um, difficulty or uh, an overwhelming emotion. And I, and I remember certain things that, um, you know, or a particular Psalm that was always like this, this was, this was really good to pray through uh, during this time. Um, and in light of these emotions, um, I do think that most of the time, what I'm most interested in is when people are in distress, when, when, um, when grief hits, when anxiety hits, when, when depression hits, it's all, it's all a disorientation. It all, I think you could really put it underneath that heading of, I just feel completely disoriented. And so um, I find that you know, the Psalms, because they are, um, as, as you so eloquently put in the first episode, they're, they're to be sung and read and prayed. I just find their versatility, especially in distress, to be incredibly beautiful because there are books that I could suggest, and I do. Right. There are, there are passages uh, in the Old and New Testament um, you know, from the, from wisdom literature or from the epistles that are very wonderful and very life-giving. And I don't ever avoid those things, but I do find that, um, when people are most distressed, I find that imagery and poetry and essentially the artisticness of the Psalms is, is a little bit easier to engage. Um, when, when we're reading images and they don't just have straight definitions, but they have images that we have to sit in front of and sit with to know that the Lord is my shepherd. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting to sit with that and think, what, what is a shepherd like? What does he do? What's his yeah. disposition? And all of a sudden I feel like what we're doing is we're all of a sudden in the Psalms, we're sitting in front of really a wealth of imagery. Um, the Lord is a shield. Um, the Lord, you know, he, um, you know, I, I, when my foot slips, he holds me up in his love. Like we're really like getting into some really wonderful images of a God who wraps his arms around us. Right. Um, and, and so I, I think that's definitely like a big part of, of what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about, you know, a particular Psalm to pray through um, is I'm, I'm trying to, to definitely think about, um, yeah, the, the imagery in light of the emotion, 
the imagery in light of the chaos or distress that they're experiencing and thinking what would be some wonderful images, some wonderful truths and promises, um, or, or even just some, some real pains that, they, that would help them acknowledge a little bit more of what they're hurting over. Because yeah. for just as many people who come in really hurting over things, I, there are people that come in who don't want to hurt over things and they need to. And so the Psalms give them room to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you're speaking to this idea of imagery and poetic language and literary device being used yeah. to describe the character of God and the promises of God. And the Psalms also do that to describe the circumstance of an individual, right? Exactly. Like, like exactly. David, I, I think in Psalm 55 says that, that at evening and at morning and at noon, he utters his complaint and he moans. And yeah. like, David doesn't have a schedule for uttering his complaint and moaning. <laughs> he's, he's just saying like all day long, I'm weary. Yeah. Or in another Psalm when he says, my tears have been my food huge and it's this and when i talk to people who are distressed and when mm. i myself am distressed and someone says tell me how you feel i i don't say well i feel that you know this circumstance isn't what it should be or what i i say you know my chest yeah. feels tight yeah or i i can't i, feel I like can't I'm breathe i can't eat yeah exactly yeah. exactly and that's yeah. imagery like my chest isn't going to pop, right? Like yeah. I can breathe and eat, but there's, there's something there where I, I think when circumstances lead to a deep well of emotion that we naturally become poets, even if not good ones. Yeah, no, it's true. I think you're absolutely right. And I do think that that's so good. It's, it's so, and well, well observed the um the imagery of the emotion the imagery of god's promises the imagery of god um it's making me think of psalm 88 where heman says i i feel like a dead man lying in a grave mm. um like that's how distressed i am i feel like i've already died and there's already been a funeral like i'm already laying in it that i mean the images that you describe you know tears being my food like that really is an image that we we don't just, it's like if we re, if we do read it slowly enough and we pray it particularly enough, it would be like, I'm, I'm really engaging like the, the, the words that God, the words and images that God gives me in order to help me locate even how I'm feeling and what I'm feeling. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think for me as someone, especially until the last couple of years, who really struggled to engage with the depth of my emotions at all. Um, there's this, I don't know, way in which the Psalms have freed me up to feel things where, you know, David can say my tears have been my food. And now because I've spent enough time, not only experiencing the ups and downs of life as a follower of Christ, but also spend enough time in the Psalms learning how godly men throughout history have processed their emotions before the Lord that it's like, Oh, I, I do know what it tastes like to weep so much that 
that all I can taste is the salty tears that are running down my face. And, and without the Psalms, I don't know that I would have ever experienced that and been able to truly mourn something worthy of mourning or, or even rejoice over something worth rejoicing. Yeah. Yeah. It's making me think of, uh, yeah, you, you saying that the rejoicing over rejoicing, you know, it makes me think of the, of Psalm 126 when um, the psalmist is talking about, like, I remember when we were brought out of captivity and you told us what you were going to give us a new land. It was like, we were like those who dream. Like mm. we, it was too good to be true. We, it put joy back in our, in our mouths. It put joy back in our singing and it was overwhelmingly wonderful. I just love that. It's like, oh, yeah. um, it's like, wow, like I can, I can say that like, Lord, it's better than I even dreamed that it would be. Um, it's wonderful. So I'm it, for someone who's listening at home who maybe and and likely in this season of of COVID-19 and riots in major cities because of racial injustice and and all of these different things that we're experiencing I would imagine that a lot of of our members and just people in general are experiencing anxiety and depression and just the, a depth of confusion maybe yeah. that they've never experienced and i'm one i'm wondering how you might counsel someone to begin engaging with the psalms in a way that would would not only be helpful for them in in terms of discipleship like learning about who god is but in terms of their mental and emotional health yeah well, I do. I, I think that's, that's well said, Cole. I think, um, you know, th the Lord in this time bringing COVID and, um, and, and really, um, truly like bringing us to a place of humility, bringing not just, I mean, definitely bringing the church to a place of humility, but bringing the world to it. Um, and so I do think that all of us are um, experiencing just different levels. And as it's gone on a real evolution to our emotions, because there was a way that we felt when COVID began and there is the 12 month, you know, or the, not the 12 month, the 12 week feeling of, of what COVID is like today. And I can tell you that, um, yeah, I, I, I think the, the evolution of depression, guilt, um, just overwhelming, uh, confusion and, um, uh, even just the the temptation to either over engage or completely disengage um and uh, and just you know how many times have you talked to people during this time and they've just said like i'm i'm just exhausted um just a real level of exhaustion in all that's going on and so um i think that when it comes to uh the psalms um uh when i'm thinking about encouraging people there um, I, I'm thinking of, of Psalms that encourage grief, um, because I do think that that's a, a big part of, of what we're kind of experiencing now. Um, I, I do think that it, that that's probably, um, the most, one of the most consistent things that I have heard and talked to, 
um, people over is grief. So in depression, in anxiety, um, in, in all that really has been kind of, in, 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 a, in a way, been lost during this time. Like we've had a lot of like things that we've lost and, are, and, uh, and have, experiencing, have, experiencing, have experienced losing um, during this time. And so I, I really want people to engage the Psalms um, to see um, that we, oh goodness, is that gonna, yeah, that's, that's fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dodds is having lighting yeah. issues at home. I'm sorry about that. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Cole. Uh, it asks, I, 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 we may, I'm going to have to splice that. I apologize. <laughs> no, that's um, totally fine. Um, can you ask the, ask the question again? I'm sorry, Cole. I just, yeah. No, that's fine. I got distracted too. So you were talking about responding or, or encouraging folks in this season with how to engage with the Psalms and yeah. and how we're grieving and and things yeah. like that. Yeah. I so I I really want to encourage people to go to the Psalms because number one, I, I think that all of what we're feeling, the Lord has not only room for understanding, but it's really an opportunity for all of us to to be able to give voice to what we're feeling. Um, uh, I mean, uh, Psalm Psalm ninety four talks about how the Lord made the eye and He made the ear. He hears everything. He sees everything. Um, Psalm forty six talks about how He is our refuge in the midst of a crumbling world. And I know that we can really feel mm. what it's like for the, the world to sort of feel like it's kind of in a, a decreation kind of mode right now. But we have one, we have a throne uh, that doesn't crumble and we have his word that does not pass away. Um, and um, it, it makes me think about all of the emotions um, truly being expressed and contained within the Psalms. And so I really would encourage people to start just reading the Psalms, like truly just going through them and reading them and praying what comes to mind as you read them. Because I do think that that's one of my biggest encouragements is not that you just completely understand the Psalms from, from the get-go, but that you do begin to read them and see all of the emotions that are expressed there because they are the Bible in miniature. It's, it's all of God's commands are there. All of his promises are there, but all of human emotion is there as well. It's, it's kind of like earth and heaven and earth meeting directly in those spaces. And, um, and I, uh, yeah. And I find that, um, the more I engage there, I'm also really challenged to pray certain things that I normally wouldn't pray, um, and it, <laughs> I, I think also um, uh, it's when you don't, like I said before, when you don't have words, the, the Psalms really do give you language and words to use because God knows what men pray like when they're scared. And God knows what men pray like when they're angry, when they're confused, when they feel like, what is going to make this 
go away? What is going to, you know, and, and I think also what's important and this is sort of just coming to mind at the moment, but, you know, we talk a lot about looking forward to the end of COVID, looking forward. And I would really encourage people in their engagement with the Psalms to not look forward necessarily to the end of this. I think we all want to look forward to the end of this, but I think it's much more important of who are we becoming during it? Mm. Who are we becoming while this is going on, not just in the end of it, but as it's happening. And I think if we're really going to think about this time as sort of a wilderness exile time, then trusting the Lord at his word in a place of distress, I can't think of a better place to start than in the Psalms. Because it, yeah. Yeah, I think that that interplay between what, what we might experience as people and the promises and truths about God and his kingdom, they're constantly colliding in the Psalms. And, and I, I think that's what you're getting at when you talk about the Psalms being the Bible in miniature is, is that human life and reality is coming into intimate interplay and conflict at times with who God is and what his kingdom is like. And, and what we see in the Psalms and really the prayers of God's people throughout the scriptures is not this almost incessant optimism about what things are going to be like in the future, which I think we've definitely inherited as like evangelicals from the South that like we, we don't want to talk about how bad it is today because tomorrow it's going to be better. When this is over, it's going to be better. But there's this reality that like when the people were wandering in the wilderness, they weren't concerned about how glorious the promised land was going to be. They were concerned about how miserable they were in the wilderness. And like, that's, that's the honest reality of human life at times. And we can even bring those things to the Lord. That's what the Psalms give us license to do. Before we started recording, we were talking about that, interplay between individual circumstance and the promises of God. Yes. Not only as a microcosm and just simplification of the Christian life, Mm. but also as like the ideal image of the counseling room. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I, I think part of part, partly what was, what was gripping about the Psalms um, in that in that dark in that dark year, was seeing that David, seeing that Asaph, seeing the sons of Korah, all all the different psalmists coming coming to God with their circumstances in one hand and God's promises in the other, and not essentially not letting their circumstances win the day and not letting God's promises mute their circumstances. But seeing David come to God and saying, Lord, I'm surrounded, I have no one. And then saying, but Lord, you are the shield about me. And and I love that because David was not only doing something wonderful in my mind, he was also teaching us how we can come to God and, and really in a way, how we should come to God um, in the way of 
I, I come to you with my full reality, even exaggerations. Like David had, you know, close to 400 kinsmen with him in these, in these Psalm moments. He was not alone, but he felt completely alone. And so I, but I loved that, that God listened to the exaggerations and also David held in his other hand the promises of, but this is who I know you are. This is what's happening. This is who I know you are. This is what's happening. This is, and back and forth he would go in certain Psalms. And that was, in my mind, it really helped me come to the Lord and say, Lord, this is really what I'm experiencing. And I know that this is who you say you are. And yeah. it just felt like, so the largest concentric circle was not my pain. The largest concentric circle was not just my situation, but the God who was even the largest concentric circle outside of that situation. Because even him, I'm, he's the one I'm coming to with my situation and these promises. I'm, I'm, I'm already admitting, Lord, you're over all of this. And so you're the one I come to. And that, I mean, that, that really, did, it wasn't just that my approach to God changed, but it, it, the, yeah, the, the Psalms, it's like in that, in that kind of white hot center, I felt really transformed yeah. by what the, what the Psalms offered and gave. Yeah. I think that in what you're talking about, especially with the idea that our circumstance is incredibly important to the Lord. He wants to hear about it and yes. he wants to respond to it and mm. bring healing in it. But it's, it's not, it's not the largest thing. It's not the all consuming thing. It doesn't have the final word for exactly. those who are in relationship with God through Jesus. We, the final word is established in the work of Christ. The final word is established in the covenant and then there's a beautiful hope and light there really for a a picture of mental health from a Christian worldview yeah. that is utterly absent from from even the best that secular psychology has to offer because there's yeah. there's something bigger more certain and more glorious than my situation in the world around me yeah. And it's it's wrapped up in the covenants of God. And I find so much comfort in that. I know that interplay between this is my situation and these are God's promises. When I'm healthiest, I'm utterly aware and honest about my situation and utterly self-medicating with the promises of God. <laughs> you know, like there's this... I'm weary, I'm exhausted, I'm anxious, and yet I know that the Lord is good. I know that he's for me. I know that his promises are sure, and so I can rest easy. And and I don't think there's a path toward that sort of stability apart from God's gift to us in the Psalms. Like the Psalter yeah. are, are paramount to healthy mental and emotional Christian living. And I, I think that's so beautiful. And I think, grace. I think what you're saying right there is, is, is really well observed Cole. I, I, it, it's making me think about the fact that when it comes to, 
you know, as David is penning these words, as, as the psalmists are penning these words, like what has gotten them to the altar is what, is what their heart and mind have done with this respective heat in the world. So anxiety, depression, fear, overwhelmed, confusion, um, physical, physical pain. Yeah, um, being betrayed. Yeah, being betrayed, exactly, has, has really become something that has gotten them to the altar. And so I do think that that's, that's incredibly important to know that if I'm having anxiety, is my anxiety driving me to the Lord? Like, it's, it, it matters that I'm worried, but it also matters if my worry is really kind of the attendant that gets the usher, that kind of gets me to my seat, you know, it gets me to the altar. Or is it something that keeps me away from him? And I think that that's where the Psalms end up welcoming, like, come, like, let your anxiety, let your fear get you to me and open your mouth. What, Psalm 90, I pour out my heart before the Lord. Like, that's, that's what the Christian life, most of the Christian life is, is, is pouring my heart out to the Lord. Um, and, and so if anxiety is going to be, like, even though I might want it to be gone, if it gets me to him, Lord, use it. Yeah. Use it. Use it to get me to you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think with that and, and looking at the length of time that we've been discussing, that that's probably a, a good place to, to move toward an end. And, and I think a helpful conclusion that, that in all that we experience, the healthy Christian is one who, who doesn't pretend they're not experiencing, who doesn't minimize what they're experiencing, but takes it to the Lord and allows his promises to meet him. Um, and I know that my anxiety wins when I lay in bed trying to fix it myself. And I know my anxiety doesn't win when I truly bring it to the Lord and let his promises remind me of his faithfulness. And so with that, I'm, man, this has been a blessing and it's been a fun conversation. It's been a helpful one. And Dodds, I'm really glad that you could join me. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful. Right. Well, y'all have a good night.